0: The free-for-all roundtable.
1: Brought to you by Lexus Vaughan, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think.
2: Round one.
1: On round one, Mark Warner is here, international trade lawyer. Tim Hudak, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Tamara Cherry is with Pickup Communications and author of the book, The Trauma Beat, A Case for Rethinking the Business of Bad News. And it's a great read, I might add. Okay. Uh, good morning to everybody. Let's start about Toronto, or start with Toronto set to raise parking fines. Uh, Mark Warner, I don't think you even own a car, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, so you're not yeah, going to have yeah. to worry about this.
3: Well, I do when people come to visit. You know, parking, you know, parking on the street, parking is kind of hard to find, particularly when I lived in Cabbage Town and in you know, other places. So, um, you know, that interests me. What the other thing that interests you? I try to pull it up quickly. While we're getting ready for the show you know is how much of how many of these fines are actually collected and the best i could see is there was an auditor general auditors report for the city back in 2010 that talked about 105 million dollars a year in unpaid taxes that was based on 2008 numbers i don't wonder i haven't seen anything nothing popped up popped up on google so i guess we're not tracking it anymore but so the fines are interesting but i just wonder how many of them we actually collect i suspect it's not very high. I don't see anything wrong with cracking down on people who park
1: illegally, and especially those who do things like parking in bike lanes. Tamara, what do you say?
0: I have no problem with it either. If this was a decade ago, John, when, you know, before the, the days of the ease of the, the app on your phone where you can just park in a matter of moments, um, I might have had something to say because I can't tell you how many hours I had spent standing outside one of those machines waiting for it to read my credit card while I'm trying to rush into police headquarters to cover a news conference. That was a pain in the butt. Now it's a lot easier. I was also shocked in this story that there are officials fences associated with parking a vehicle stopping and standing on city streets that was astounding to me and hats off to all the parking enforcement officers that can keep track of
1: them keep track of all of them Okay, Tim Hudak, are you sympathetic? Is this all part of the war on the
2: car? <laughs> no, look, the, the fines the fines are low enough now that I think a lot of people gamble by playing parking lot roulette, right? You think, ah, what are the chances, multiply by 30 bucks, and so people break the rules. There's no doubt the Green Pea uh, has been in a, a revolution. I can't believe a government app that actually works. It's, it's a unicorn. Love to see that expanded to private parking lots anyway, so that makes it easier. So, yeah, I'm all, all for that. John, let me one-up it a little bit. I will continue my call. I know John Moore supports this of a sort of level B police officer that would actually go after live happening traffic problems. People block the box regularly. The number of drivers who are so important compared to everybody else that tie up lanes and try to make a left-hand turn, ramming through intersections or crosswalks. I'd love to see more tickets done in that direction by having more live bodies enforcing traffic violations on the streets. Yeah, I'd like
1: to see it be almost like Harry excuse me a Harry Potter wand where you know one of those traffic <laughs> wardens could just point at your car and that's it you're blocking the box here's a $50 ticket okay <laughs> Speaking of parking, uh, you get into a lot of aberrations when it comes to people with disability uh, stickers or ponk or whatever we're going to call them. And one of those situations is unfolding in downtown Toronto where somebody has parked a motor home for weeks, but because it has one of these things on the dashboard, they can't be punished and they can't be forced to move it. Tim Hudak.
2: Well, I, I, I had two takes on this. I mean, no, number one, you've you got to follow the rules and the, the staff at parking uh, enforcement and city council should have have the guts to actually put an end to this. The notion that they could you know wiggle and jiggle the motorhome a few feet every day and maintain that parking spot, the disruption it causes uh, in the neighborhood and just cause people to ignore the rules uh, in the first place. I will say to this Beth Clinton who has come up with this idea that she's managed to outfox the city hall staff, maybe we should give her a better job like another job. She she helped solve so many city issues. If she can find ways, John, to work around the parking rules for this long and keep that motorhome running without any kind of enforcement, maybe she's due for promotion to solve some real issues.
1: Tamara Cherry, maybe I get irritated by things too easily, but this get out of jail free aspect of these disability signs drives me crazy.
0: And this has not been a matter of weeks, John. It's been a matter of years. Maybe it's been on and off ever since then. But um, in the Toronto Star, I think it was Jack Lakey wrote this. Um, He he said that he's been looking into this since 2001, I believe. So I would really love to hear from the owner of this luxury motor home, is she really this entitled? Because I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around someone being that level of entitled. Or is there more to this? Like I, I don't think that she should get a free pass because she has a disability parking pass. If anything, we should be cracking down more because every day that she's parked, there every hour that she's parked there beyond what she should be, um, that's somebody else who's not able to park in that spot who might have a disability pass and who's needing to go run a quick errand down on Girard Street. So I I think that this does seem ludicrous, but I'd really love to hear from the owner because I just it's astounding to me that somebody could actually be this entitled.
1: Yeah, Mark Warner, you can pretty well do anything you want if you have one of these passes, and that includes blocking live lanes of traffic.
3: Yes. But of course, if you do have a disability, you know, parking three feet out from the street uh, on a curb that's uh, not uh, slanted is a problem. So I, 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 the way we put the biking lanes in, I just I don't know. I don't know how we sort of, you know, you have two objectives. You want to be for accessibility. You want to be for bike lanes. You got to figure out a way to do it. and whatever we've done in toronto doesn't do it so i, I sometimes have to laugh it's, it gets ludicrous i spent a lot of time last year around mount sinai and i just thought oh so you got a hospital so you're coming down to university and you got this bike line where exactly are people supposed to park as they pull up and let people off when they're coming out with a wheelchair or uh, um, you know, whatever it is, their uh, mobility device they have. So, um, so I, I, you know, anybody who challenges the, non- the sort of nonsense or whatever way, i am for them. But there's not enough in this story for me to really make sense of it, to be honest with you, John. I read it, and I, it's a typical Toronto Star story. I, nice, okay, fine, I don't have enough detail to make an opinion on it, really.
1: So the arrive Can scandal, two aspects to this. Justin Trudeau doing his best. Paul Martin impersonation yesterday. Remember him saying, <laughs> I am mad as hell that somebody did this. Uh, So Justin Trudeau saying we're going to get to the bottom of it. And the conservatives say we sure are. We're going to get those two people from that private firm and they're going to be dragged into parliament to testify. Uh, Tamara Cherry, I'll start with you on this one. I think this is just once you get into a pattern of mismanagement and scandal, you can't break out of it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And he's mad as hell that the Globe and Mail has done another stellar job in their investigative journalism to uncover this, this level of atrociousness. Um, I would also like to hear from those two people. Um, and I have a feeling that we probably will, whether it is in a committee on Parliament Hill or in the pages of the Globe and Mail, who knows? But I am paying close attention. And this definitely does not bode well for Prime Minister Trudeau as he heads towards what everybody is expecting will be a losing year for him.
1: Mark Warner, if these people are running a business that is on the up and up, then they should testify.
3: No, it's it's such a strange story, but I go back to the principle of ministerial accountability. You know, Justin Trudeau uses that passive voice. You know, some rules were broken, and people will be. Well, what about the minister? That's our system, our parliamentary system, is we hold ministers responsible for what for their what what for the academy for what happened under their watch. There's a lot of praise that the minister got for procurement when this was going on. We went through a phase where there was pretty much no. Well, whatever. In terms of the way it was covered, she was a hero. Great. Well, now we're finding out she wasn't very good at her job, but she's still there in another capacity. It's even more responsibility for paying out stuff. So, I am. Um, you know, I, I, there's so much to the story I'd like to know more about. But the first point I want to know is it's a good sign that he thinks there's a problem. Now, can we get rid of some of the personnel you've actually got direct control over that we're responsible? Okay. You worked in procurement.
1: So how aberrant is this particular situation? <laughs>
3: I wasn't really working in procurement. I was, I was a you know a legal ran a legal branch for three ministries, and so obviously I sat on their audit committees and whatever. Look, the job, way I always saw my job as a lawyer for it was to keep, um, was to make sure that uh, civil servants didn't get out over their skis and trying to do things that's a the political pressure for them to do. So to remind them what their rules were, and and so when I read a story like this, the way I read it is. I saw from the outside looking in the environment around the procurement is that it was a, a get it done attitude. And I can certainly see a climate where a lot of civil servants waved a lot of things through. And that's why I particularly feel this way. Well, now the civil servants are going to be hung out to dry for not checking every cross crossing and dotting the eyes, when in fact that's what they were being told to do that's how it looks to me and the individuals involved um you know i think this is to me the tip of the iceberg in this in that kind of an environment i think this would be the tip of the iceberg and i was hoping that we'd have more of an investigation into those procurement contracts as they've done in other countries and we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg here that's kind of the way i look it at it all right tim
2: Hudak. Yeah, I think we're going to write another chapter here, John, on uh, how scandals go wider and uh, deeper. I mean, kudos, uh, as Tamara said to the Globe and Mail and other journalists for digging into the story and good for opposition leaders and members and doing their job and keeping the pressure on. But this, this, this strikes me that the meter is, is now moving from strictly incompetence towards greed and corruption. You see the scope of this ad scam was a purely political scandal, as you mentioned earlier on. This may be a bureaucratic scandal, but I, I, I am pleased to see a broad light being shone upon this. I look forward to answers at the end in another example of how scandals go wider and deeper.
1: Let me start with Tamara Cherry on this next story. Law and Order, Criminal Intent Toronto um, arrives on television tomorrow. I watched the pilot, quite enjoyed it, and something I enjoyed was seeing my own city reflected. As a matter of fact, it just seems kind of funny when you hear one of the detectives say, search for that body on Cherry Beach.
0: Um, Yeah, I I, got to say, John, that my book club WhatsApp chat group is on (laughs) fire these days, looking forward to Law & Order. One of our members is a huge Law Law & Order SVU fan, and everyone is just sort of losing their... Crap over this, but I, I don't know what it is about it. My husband and I, I mean, I no longer live in Toronto. I'm there quite a bit, but my husband and I, whenever we're watching a movie and we spot something Toronto, we we get so giddy about it. And so the idea of an entire show being actually set in Toronto and not pretending to be, you know, New York or Chicago or whatever made up city in the United States, there's something exciting about it. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not really a TV watcher beyond Netflix. And other streaming apps, but maybe I'll tune into this one.
1: Tim Hudak, it's kind of funny. A lot of people are sniggering about the idea of law and order in Toronto, and yet, you know, on any other day, we're talking about how crime is out of control in this town.
2: you know, no, I'm with you on that. I, I'm looking forward to this uh, as well. You know, I was a big Hill Street Blues fan growing up. love that show, and I remember, you know, coming across from Buffalo, New York, growing up, scrutinizing what might be Buffalo, what might be Chicago, was kind of an amalgam of the two. So, the, the notion of covering Toronto, hopefully Cap some of the culture, some real life crime issues we have, John. I'm very, very excited uh, about that. And look, uh, if they're looking for somebody to uh, to play a, a bleary eyed crime victim walking out and signing that their car is missing on the driveway before they can go to work,
3: I got mine for
1: that one. Well, actually, there's a whole business in playing bodies. But one account I was reading this morning, they shot in the winter months. And this person had to, the actor, had to lie on the pavement near Yonge and Dundas Square with a, a blanket over them for hours at a time. And it was kind of miserable. Yeah. Thank you all. Good to have you. Mark Warner, Tamara Cherry, and Tim Hudak. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745. Round
2: two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.